Hello and welcome and thank you for joining. I'm your host, Seth Haskin. I started this podcast to dive deeper into the ways we know one another and God. The goal is to ask the question of how God loves. As we dive deeper into personifying God, we have to bring him into our three-dimensional world, but also understand that he lives in another state of being, the fourth dimension. I would love to welcome and thank our guest today. He has a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from the Bethel College. That was before it was a university. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and a master's from the University of Minnesota and a PhD in educational and social psychology. With many publications and presentations under his belt, he, he is also involved with the American Psychological Society and Association for the Assessment of Learning in Higher Education. It's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he also does research on how students change over four years, which is great for an undergrad program, from participating in college, including changes in cognition, beliefs, and spirituality. Uh, let us welcome our guest today, Dr. Joel Fredrickson. Could oh. you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, happy to, Seth. Good to be here. And and we connected way back when, when you took uh, Intro to Psych, right? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. kind of our connection yeah. to things. Um, yeah, so I, I've been here at Bethel for full-time anyway, 60, uh, 26 years, mm-hmm. um, and am a, an alum as well, as you kind of pointed out there, of, of Bethel, and, and cut my teeth academically really at the University of Minnesota, had a fantastic time. Um, at the U of M during during the '90s, um, it was a great time. Graduate school was a fantastic time mm-hmm. of my life, and um, got a lot of experience actually teaching there as well. These very large classes uh, at the University of Minnesota, which which um, is either going to make you or break you. <laughs> so, were you uh, in one of those classes where you were the TA and you were kind of teaching the class? There was, yeah, right, right. I had different times to where I, I wasn't teaching. I was a TA on the side and doing mm-hmm. a lot of the grading. But then I had other times to where no, I, especially during the summer where I was I was teaching the teaching the course. Yeah, yeah. and that was those are those are formative experiences are great experiences to um to to have and to, to figure out okay this this is what works this isn't this this doesn't work that type of thing and i was in an unusual grad program in that way is that we actually um they actually taught us how to teach you know a lot of grad programs that isn't the case i think a mm-hmm. lot of students don't realize that about faculty is that most of us what we are is experts in our area <laughs> um but Nobody really ever taught us how to, so <laughs> how like, to teach oh, oftentimes. Here you go. Now try to teach it. <laughs> right, no right, direction. Right, right. Um, I, I think I do think graduate programs are better at that today um, than they were than they were in the past. Um, but anyway, I've already gotten us off track, Seth. I'm, no, I'm pretty it's good all at that. good. It's all good because I'm going to kind of bring it back um, to what is the like. American Psychological Society. What are you guys doing? Yeah, and actually that one has already changed. The Association for Psychological Science now. uh, So they've gotten, you know, taking the American out of it because it is really, it's it's an international um, society. And um, actually that that society kind of came about with um, some some friction that had taken place with the with the APA. Most people know APA because of APA style and other mm-hmm. other types of uh, in in other areas. And it was actually during the whole controversies about repressed memory syndrome and that back in the back in the eighties. And the the researchers were getting frustrated with the therapists. I'm, I'm simplifying it, <laughs> but but in essence, that was yep. what was taking place. And say, hey, we should create our own society that's much more academic focused. So there there are plenty of people who um, who are 
who are members of both associations. Um, but it, it is, it's a pretty fantastic association. It, it's, it's journal psychological science is mm-hmm. one of the premier journals now, um, within psychology. And what I, what I love about that journal, what I love about our society is like, l- let's take that, um, that journal there's, there's, I'll use articles from that journal. You know, when you do journal article critiques in class mm-hmm. and I can do that because they say, uh, our society says, Oh, if you're using it for educational purposes, don't have to worry about copyright or anything. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, there, there it's, the goal is about, about education, about furthering psychological science. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why, why um, I absolutely love that, that society, that group. Yeah, and you're part of another one called the Association for Assessment of Learning in Higher Education, which right. is the mouthful. Right, right, right. And that is, um, so, so really a lot of what I do today is around assessment and accreditation. Mm-hmm. I'm less, uh, even though I, I still do teach, so most of my role here really is is administrative, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe two of the most boring kind of topics you could have, right? Put them together: assessment and accreditation. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not not necessarily exciting to a lot of people. But that organization is an interesting one too. Of trying really, what can we do to get best practices for for seeing how well college students are doing? How how are we doing in terms of helping college students um, grow? Uh, in their education program. So it's, it, and it's, I find it as a, as a group, um, one of the most collegial groups. You know, it's, it's not, nobody's trying to one up anybody, anything like that. Everybody's trying to help mm-hmm. one another out. So it's a fantastic organization in that way. It's a much smaller group than, say, APS. Um, but, but, uh, uh, a, a fun group, actually, odd to say related to assessment, but actually a yeah. fun group to be a part of. What are some of the things that like you assess? Do you assess like do you do survey wise or Yeah, right, right. Part of it can be can be survey wise, but part of it is also working with faculty to say, okay, what are those signature assignments that you have in your classes? And how are students doing on those? Mm-hmm. You know, how how are they addressing your primary outcomes within your program? Um, and what and most importantly, okay, what what are they not doing well? What what can we change here to help them um, do better? Uh, and, and perform better, so that that really is the ultimate goal is to get at that that area. Um, what's happening actually in the classroom? What and and also kind of pushing faculty to develop interesting assignments. Mm-hmm. You know that that kind of that challenge students that really get at what are some of the most important things yep. that you want them to be able to um, uh, learn um, uh, within the within their course. Yeah, what's some of the uh, favorite parts about what you do on Bethel's campus, both teaching and, you know, doing these uh, uh, academic assessments? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think for for me, some of my favorite things is, is the teaching. You mm-hmm. know, I, as you know, I teach a lot of intro to psych, so that's mostly what I teach now um, on the on the CAS side, on the College of Arts uh, and Sciences side. Uh, but I have taught other, th- you know, statistics and research principles and social psychology. I, I love teaching um, uh, all of those courses as well. Uh, but I I really enjoy Intro to Psych. It's really, um, it keeps you on your toes. Mm -hmm. I get to delve into areas that aren't necessarily in my expertise. Um, And a lot of times those have become some of my my favorite areas. You know, things like um, sensation perception. Yeah. You know, that, that initially... 
uh, when I came out of grad school, that was it actually made me nervous when I had to do that module, you know, because it wasn't in my wheelhouse. We mm -hmm. didn't talk that much about that in my grad program. And now I've, I've come to absolutely love it and love how it connects to the history of psychology mm -hmm. as well. That's really a lot of the roots of, of psychology were, were these German uh, German academics really interested in these optical illusions and yep. visual illusions and and why it was that we got that we got fooled that type of that type of thing so I enjoy that a lot um, I'm, you know I'm speaking ahead. from the student side I think the students enjoy it a lot especially those who are kind of like oh psychology might be for me intro to psych just gives them a broad overview of everything and they're like oh that's interesting and it kind of can direct them in the ways that they want to go right right as, as you know we, you know when i teach that class a lot of times i say hey if you're interested in this module we got a whole class on it yeah you know you could take that class you know so so sensation and perception yeah right right <laughs> right um so a number of us who teach that course at at various colleges and universities when we get together we talk about it like you know, we're teaching the greatest hits or we're teaching the, the highlight reel or that, you know, of psychology, that, that type mm -hmm. of thing. And so that's what's also fun about it. The downside is it's hard to, it's hard to go deep on mm -hmm. anything. And I, I certainly hear that from students. I totally get that perspective, you know, from a set of students that, that frustrates them. Uh, I completely get it. You know? Just take the course after that. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Take that course and you can go you can go yeah. deep into social psychology. Or, or just become a psychology area. major. Then right. you kind of take a lot of them. Right, so, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I love psychology bias because my major is neuroscience mm -hmm. and I take a lot of psych courses. So I'm taking conditioning and learning right now with Dr. Anderson. Yeah, great. Uh, That's a great course. It take. is so much fun. It just like teaches you about the way we learn mm -hmm. or the way we like associate things with other things and so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of take like what you know about psychology and the brain and everything else about it. And um, we're going to take that and kind of apply it to relationships okay. uh, with people and God. Mm -hmm. um, so I always ask this question and um, it is what comes to mind when you hear the word relationship? Mm. Um, for me, warmth, mm -hmm. um, give and take, you know, care. You know, those are the kinds of words that, that come to mind. Um, uh, come to mind for me mm -hmm. related to that support um, and, and and meaning that in both ways, providing support for others, but getting support from from other people. Um, those are a lot of the things that come to mind for me when I think of when I think of relationship. How do you think that influences the way you go about interacting with relationships? No, I, um, I I think it helps mm -hmm. me. You know, if if I'm going into it not with trepidation, um, with the idea that things don't. I think the important thing is the realization things aren't always going to go great in relationships, mm -hmm. and you can live with uh, you know big big term right now for a lot of people. Psychologists talking to the lay audiences, you have to learn to live with uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, to help with your anxiety. That's, that's the main therapy for it. The exposure, exposure therapy. therapy. How yep. do you, how do you, you gotta, and, and you realize, oh, if I'm, I'm sitting in this anxiety and I'm living with it and it doesn't keep going exponentially up, the anxiety doesn't, eventually it comes down. Um, by the way, just as a, a side off of that, um, uh, not that you necessarily want to hawk other podcasts on your podcast, but there's yeah. a great one from Ezra Klein mm -hmm. looking at um, uh, at anxiety. Um, the you know that anxiety that you have it's a habit you can unlearn. Great, great podcast and hitting a lot of conditioning and uh, uh, conditioning and learning types of principles, mm -hmm. operant learning 
you know, uh, learned hopelessness. It. Yeah, stuff right, like right. That. There's yep. there's tons of great stuff within it. And Jud, Judd Brewer is the person that Ezra Klein is talking with. Uh, he's at, at Brown University. He actually does a lot of work on on addiction. And he's highlighting of how how a lot of the processes for, for anxiety are similar to the processes for, for addiction. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great listen. Also, there are plenty of psychological podcasts out there. Um, And like a lot of the NPR podcasts do a psych episode here and there. Plenty of them. I know we had to listen to a couple for (laughs) For Intro Intro to Psych. psych, Yes. um, (laughs) Radio Lab does a whole bunch of stuff like that. There's there's plenty of podcasts. Well, and obviously all the hidden brain ones and and invisibilia and that. Yeah. No. They. uh, I. I've. uh, That has been one of the things. So I I love the fact that you're doing a podcast. You know that. You know because I. I have. I have that in Intro to Psych for for a reason. You know we spend so much time. Um, emphasizing reading and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and those obviously are important types of things. Mm-hmm. But to have assignments to where, no, you have to listen and you have to talk with others. There's a reason yep. why I'm not Oral. requiring people to write up their response to the podcast. No, I want you to interact with one yeah. another uh, about it, to actually have conversation with, with one another about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love psychology. You love psychology. <laughs> Um, there's plenty of places to find it, and that's why I wanted yeah. to do this episode with you. Um, do you think you describe relationships in categories or levels, either subconsciously or consciously? Huh. Um, I mean, I'm uh, subconsciously, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, related to that, and and certainly, um, yeah, yeah, certainly in terms of you know your your relationships within family is going to be different than than you know. Friendships. Uh, other types of yeah. relationships that right uh, that exist and and um, some relationships you know are going to go deeper um, in in what it is that you share with one another and you know you know other relationships are going to be somewhat superficial and and honestly I think that's okay to have some superficial relationships you know you you can't have all deep relationships yeah. with people. Um, but it's also good to, you know, for me to be collegial with others, to to ask other people who I'm probably not going to hang out with, um, but to to talk with them, how are things going this mm-hmm. semester, that kind of thing. I, I like to do that. I like to get up, roam the halls um, and talk with my talk with my colleagues. That's probably one of the favorite things of my job here mm-hmm. is um, I I love my colleagues, you know, in, in not just within my department, actually, a, a lot of good friends outside the department. Um, and those those relationships are, are what keep me here. And I think it's, uh, you know, when I talk with with colleagues at other colleges and universities, I think that's one of the big difference um, that that at least a set of us, I'm not saying all faculty mm-hmm. have that here. Um, but the the, the friendships uh, that that exist here is um, is a little unusual yeah. um, and and fantastic for mm-hmm. us in terms of that social support. Yeah, that is one thing Bethel kind of has unique about them is like the the community that they um, preach here um, with the students and the faculty, but also like faculty and faculty yeah, as well. Yeah, right, right. And you're right. The the heritage. That's a good point. The heritage of this institution. Uh, from John Alexis Edgren was mm-hmm. really about developing relationships with students, which was at that time a little unusual. Yeah, because um, it was like master apprentice. Right, right, yep. right. And so so it, it is a unique aspect of the heritage of, of this institution, definitely. Yeah, and I think it's important in some aspects to build that relationship with the person you're learning from instead of just taking it from like uh, objective point of view. You yeah. kind of get like, 
what is the professor actually like believe about the subject sometimes and like with Bethel, it's a Christian community, mm-hmm. like how they bring their faith into the study as well. That's yeah. very fun. And, and, and actually, I think the most important thing can be when a faculty member says, you know what, I don't know. Yeah. You know, when I get a question, yeah. you know, when I, there's times where I'll get a question or, or I'll say, this is what I think, but this isn't my area of expertise. I don't yes. know this for sure, but how I, how I understand this area that, you know, that type of thing. But I think it is really important for us that, that demonstrates humility to students. It de- demonstrates that, hey, we are all learning. Mm-hmm. We're in different areas or that kind of thing, Life but we, we can't know everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, right, right. And and that curiosity part, I think, is is really important. That's one of the things I worry about a little bit for, for Bethel students. You know, one of the strengths for Bethel students is I, I find um, higher conscientiousness maybe as, as compared to other uh, students maybe mm-hmm. uh, at other institutions, but I worry about that curiosity factor. Don't just worry about the grade. Well, don't you, you just be curious mm-hmm. about about what it is that you're learning about. You know, don't just study for for the for the grade in yeah. the course. Yeah, that that is something that I've kind of learned um, coming to Bethel is that I want to understand, not necessarily get a great grade. And I think the professors are very understanding of that as well. Um, and they will try to help you get a good grade, mm-hmm. but they will also try to help you understand it more. Um, so yeah. that's one great thing that I love about Bethel. So another question that I, I usually ask is what comes to mind when you envision a relationship with God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, related to that, I, I think, um, that a lot of people's relationship, their their how they visualize their relationship with God, um, ends up being influenced by the relationship with their parents mm-hmm. um, more so. And I think that's that ends up being unconscious for a lot of people. They yep. don't even quite realize that their image of God is so dramatically influenced by the relationship with their parents. Um, and so that can be. Um, you know, so for me, it is, you know, when I envision a relationship with God, I envision warmth, I envision forgiveness, I envision, envision care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a lot of that um, from, from, my, uh, from my parents. You know, unfortunately, they both passed away um, younger, but, but I got what I needed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, from, uh, from them in terms of that, of that, of that unconditional love that I know I can always go back I can go back to them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I lead those questions in the way, like, what do you envision a relationship? What are some of the relationships? And like, what do you envision your relationship with God? Because I think one of the goals that for this podcast is to understand how people view their relationships with other people and how that may influence their relationship with God. And like, definitely, I think a lot of times people envision God as like a parental figure in Mm -hmm. some aspects. And so if they had, um, not so great, you know, parents, great, quote yeah. unquote, um, parents, then they may view God a different way than somebody who had loving, caring, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that you're always loved, you know, parents. Right, right. They might view God as more distant, you know, if mm-hmm. that's what they had for their for their parents or absent, you mm-hmm. know, if that's what they had for their parents. In the past, I, I don't find it so much today with, with parenting of this overly strict type mm-hmm. of thing. But, but you could see that, you yep. know, there were these kinds of, um, these, these psychological scales that were getting at, you know, your, your perception of God types of scales. And, and you would just see these correlations that existed between this is how they perceive their parents to be and how they perceive God to be, that God is judgmental, 
Mm-hmm. You know, that um, that type of thing. Oftentimes it does fit for the type of relationship that they that they had with their parents. Yeah. All right. Let's take everything we know uh, so far about relationships and the inner workings of the mind. And let's dive into some psychology behind, you know, like the way we view relationships. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so how does understanding the brain influence your conscious decisions? Hmm. Yeah, I um, that, that's. For for me, I will say, in that way, oftentimes, it it's not going, you know, it's not yeah. going to, right? Mm-hmm. Or or you can know this, and yet to be able to put things in in practice can can be difficult. I think I heard um, Dr. Anderson talking about that. Of yeah, no, I understand these conditioning principles. I know them well. But oftentimes, I'm not me. always yeah. doing it in my in my own life type of thing. You know, that happens. For, for all of us. I will say for what I know, you know, again, my area is more social psychology. So when you look at one is to say, we are, we are social beings, we are mm-hmm. social animals, and our brain is social as well. Mm-hmm. And we tend to, I would say, as a society, forget that. You know, so I, I do, I actually put a premium premium on relationships, mm-hmm. um, and the building of relationships, because I know uh, it, it's a mix of things. One, because there, there, um, there's tons of benefits from it. I, yep. I enjoy it. I enjoy my relationships with people. Um, but I also know that it, it is good for me, and it's good for my brain. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, you know, we we forget about um, we we get so focused on taking things like SSRIs and that type of thing to help in terms of boosting serotonin and that the realization. And by the way, I'm not knocking not that. Dissing that. Not yeah, dissing that. Right, yeah, right, right. But I'm more just saying we we kind of forget that. Those kinds of things actually get get prompted as well from what happens in our lives, yep. from the relationships that we develop, um, and so so I I it to to be a healthy person is to be in good relationships with other people. Um, it's gonna it, you got a lot of stress in your life. Nothing better than to have good social support. Then mm-hmm. we know that from the research. That's that's the best thing for you is to have this strong um, social support to buffer you to get you through through that. You're you're suffering from anxiety, um, pushing yourself to to connect into those relationships. Same thing with depression. And by the way, I'm not trying to downplay. That. I I understand that is difficult yes. when you you are in a highly anxious state or when you're in a highly depressed state. I total I do totally get that that is difficult to muster up the energy to end up doing that. But we do know from the research that if you do do that, that is helpful for you. You know, in, in, in the UK right now, they've been doing a lot of what's called social prescribing that Mm -hmm. they're, they're, you know, you're suffering from this anxiety and from this depression. No, we're going to get you involved in a gardening group. Or we're going to get you involved in these other other types of things, things things that, frankly, what churches actually took care of for for many people in the past. You know, fewer mm-hmm. people go to church, um, but uh, oftentimes there was a lot of those kinds of things, right? It wasn't just about about Sunday service for church; it was also these other kinds of the community groups. Yes, right, the, it, right, yeah. right. Um, uh, and so, and I'm not saying that the you know the in some ways, kind of the demise of the church is, is what's causing our mental, you know, mental health issues. But um, in that way, it, it could help. We kind mm-hmm. of tend to be a little hypercritical, I think, of of church and church community at, at yeah. times for what it's done. But but there are there was strong social support there uh, that existed in healthy churches. Yeah. That, and I find that for my own church as well. Yeah, we got to acknowledge the past hurts yes. of like certain communities in the church and so on, what they did. 
but we have to take those and live differently in the present or try to change those things in the present. Right. Because if we're just looking at the past and never change it here and now, the future is going to look the same as the Mm -hmm. past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I do think, um, those understandings, uh, you know, understanding the brain in these ways of what's happening. Um, one of the more interesting articles I read recently was um, this, uh, researcher Scott Small, Scott Small, I think, yeah, at um, he's at Columbia, um, and he he runs their Alzheimer's research project mm-hmm. there. And he was writing about, it was really interesting given him, given that he's doing this research on Alzheimer's, which is all about forgetting um, and trying to, to help people so that they don't forget. And yet he's saying, um, actually, forgetting can be healthy for us. So, you know, he mm-hmm. was talking about related to the pandemic. We're going to forget a lot of a lot of these things. And that's good mm-hmm. for us. Um, you know, that that was I, I found it a very winsome argument that he was making. He was talking about it as well with the research for, for people who have PTSD, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that people who who gone through this traumatic experience, those who are connected to people after that um, usually have less problems and have less of this persistent memory. Or that can the, work through them. Right, yeah. right. Well, the, that, that he's saying, hey, the, the oxytocin actually that you get from being being with other people um, actually helps you to kind of forget some of these tra- mm-hmm. or or dampen some of these these traumatic memories that mm-hmm. they don't become so persistent uh, anymore. So again, we, we tend to forget about that social aspect and how important we we are. We are we're we're social beings, and um, I I think too often we we don't remember that we and we downplay that, especially when, in the Western culture right, where it's very like individual. Right. Where right. like we had this shift from communities to individualize and I'm going to leave a community for a better paying job for myself. You right. Know, per right. se. Um, you know, there, there is that aspect of the Western culture influencing the way we mm-hmm. think about community. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you bring up that 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 point right there, because that's been one of those things, I've, you know, um, like anybody should in a healthy way. I kind of look, I look at the different jobs that kind of come through. If I mm-hmm. wanted to be a full-time administrator someplace and that type of thing, and maybe moving to another area. And one of the things that, that kind of keeps me from it is to say, I'm going to have to build a new, a new, a new social support network. You know, I, I don't want to think of my friend, you know, in, in that way, but I, I'm going to have to build this new network. I put in um, a ton Years. of, in, yes, uh, of investment in this. Um, and and to to that it was it to was it was kind of that. right right yeah. to say and I I know I'm somebody who who needs this I'm you know as a as a child I was a crazy anxious child mm-hmm. um, and and of kind of working through working through all that and a lot of it I think has been throughout my life has been working through that through through relationships for building relationships with people to help kind of dampen that anxiety for me and I and I really don't have problems with anxiety mm-hmm. anymore, which is, which is amazing. really quite amazing. I, I, I think so in terms of how bad it was for me, um, as, as a child. So anyway, that, that you're, you're right though. It's a really good example that you provide is to say, though, those are the things when you're, when you're thinking about a job, a new job, potentially a new job. Well, those are the other things that you have to think about yep. too. Um, those are important to think about. We we downplay that a lot in our society. We wouldn't in in other you know Eastern collectivist mm-hmm. um, um, cultures 
they definitely wouldn't downplay yep. downplay that. Um, but but I think it that has been an important thing for me to be to be thinking about of okay how how am I going to hand how, how am I going to create a new social network all those other other types of things what I have here is really unique and really special um, in in that way um, and that that that's important for certainly important for my for my health for for my health physically emotionally and spiritually mm-hmm. you know and we have plenty of case studies of aspects like when you're talking about for psychology uh, case studies when you were talking about it's good to forget you know mm-hmm. like we know people who have um, what is it called hyper where they remember everything mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact name mm-hmm. but they literally remember everything in detail like their memory mm-hmm. is impeccable they can say oh March 28th of 2019 yep. the day was beautiful it was mm-hmm. sunny and it was mm-hmm. no snow on the ground unlike today you know they can get it to those details and we know from those people that they have struggles in life because they can't forget right so when they remember their first breakup it's just as intense mm-hmm. you know there's no dampening effect mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. with that and so like we know from case studies of certain um, either disorders or functionalities of groups and stuff like that, especially in social psychology mm-hmm. psychology with functionality of groups, we know that certain things play out and that they can help us. So that's one reason I love psychology because it's a very like applicable mm-hmm. um, among groups of people. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so one thing um, that you want everyone to know <laughs> just from uh, the mind and how it works. What is one thing that you think would help other people understand themselves better and mm-hmm. other people better? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I, I I do actually kind of what we just got done talking about mm-hmm. is, is one of those things yeah. to say, Hey, re- remember there are other ways to boost these important neurotransmitters in, yep. you know, in, in that. And, and that socially that's a big part of that. The relationships, the family relationships, um, uh, the the relationships with 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 friends and with others, that those are all really important for us mm-hmm. in, in terms of our our mental health, and it is impacting our neurochemistry. Yes, um, and that it, just because we personally don't know <laughs> of what of what's taking place, we do know it from the science uh, and of how how beneficial all of uh, all of those. Those relationships and developing those relationships, how beneficial uh, those are to us, and so to me, that's one of the most important things. I, I would say one of the other most important things. And I talk, we we deal with this a lot in the intro to psych class. Is um, we, you know, the type of therapy when we're kind of going through a number of different things, whether it's um, you've got this fear of heights or whether or not you've got uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, all these other areas. What most often is the type of therapy? It's an exposure therapy. It's mm-hmm. um, no face it head on. Yep, is what I'm the with therapy is about. With- Right, right, you. right. To walk through you, to, to mm-hmm. work with you on it, to help you in terms of, okay, now take some deep breaths. Now, let, you know, and, and functionally what it is for those therapists is they're helping them realize um, it's not going to last forever. Yeah. The feeling is going to start to dissipate. Yep. You are going to get desensitized to this. Um, and, and you can, you can do it. Yep. It can happen, you know, especially on the, on the phobias. Man, that therapy is fantastic for yep. it. You know, it, it'll work really it's well. It's very hard for those people, and we have to understand that. But at right. the same time, like, we're trying to help them, and they know that we're trying to help them. And sometimes, like, that fear can overcome, like, the sense of 
help, mm-hmm. but it's also very important that they're not doing it alone. Yeah, you know, right. There is right. a therapist there, or they have accountability partners, mm-hmm. whether that be family or friends, or you know, some uh, therapist yeah. or something. So I think that's also important. To you know, and what's what's interesting about that for a lot of people is it it is similar to addiction in that other way yep. of of mm-hmm. um, I might not get get that help. It's not so bad yet. It's not so bad. You know, it's just like my 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 drinking isn't so bad yet that mm-hmm. I that I need help type of type of thing. Um, to where I, I think of an example, um, it's a clip that I show in Intro to Psych of a young woman with, with pretty severe obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. And she, the reason why she finally goes to, to seek help um, is because she's she's has this baby boy mm-hmm. and she wants to be a good mom. And she's realizing this, she can't this, she right, has, right, with she this. She has to clean the couch every ten right, minutes. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. You yeah. remember, right? I remember that. <laughs> um, and and that's an important aspect. That motivating piece. What's going to motivate you to be able to make this change? And sometimes it's relationships, like what yep. you said, mother, um, you know, <coughs> child relationship, or it could be like this is affecting my marriage partnership. Right. You know, like. I, I don't want to be this way. This is not who I think I am with this person. Right. Or, you know, I think relationships can hold up mirrors to ourselves and the way we view ourselves. Yes. No. Oh, most definitely. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so we kind of go into this idea of understanding certain disorders and so on and so forth in psychology and making it applicable but sometimes we can see this in like self-help books as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some like I'll read a self-help book or whatever, you know, like disciplining and how to like do it better, or like whatever, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I'm not saying all are great and all are bad. Right. Uh, they're kind of neutral, depends on who you are. Um, but how can we take what we know when we read things about relationships, human mind and everything else? How can we apply that to our daily lives? Because it's hard, mm-hmm. you know, like we talking about the idea of like I'm in conditioning and learning and I know these aspects of like what conditions mean what I learn and how I learn and so on and so forth but sometimes I just mm-hmm. it's too much to think about in that moment right so right. how can studying these aspects or reading these aspects help us actually in the long term and not just in the short term yeah well well I mean I I think that as well though and it's it's the short term it's making those changes in the short term yep. that help for for the long term yep. as well I I think of it you know another example of the science of relationships and again another one that we talk about in intro to psych is, mm-hmm. is John Gottman's research on marriages yeah yeah which is very is, eye-opening by the way yeah you it, should do more research into that if that's, you're in that's a marriage it, relationship. Right, right. And and well well I would I would say you know, you know, even though he's focusing on it for marriage relationships mm-hmm. and that's what he's been he's been looking at is marriages. But really the the what he comes up with, those four horsemen of apocalypse, you know, of, Can uh, you say them real quick? Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, we've got uh, we've got criticism, yep. we've got defensiveness, we've got contempt, and then we got we've got withdrawal. Um, yep. Uh, that ends up taking place, and so in the in the most important of those, the one that that's the best predictor of of a relationship that's going to deteriorate is contempt, yep. uh, being contemptuous of another person, which is really functionally, you know, putting them down, saying they are beneath me type mm-hmm. of thing is functionally what it is. You know, if you think of that spiritually, you know, Jesus talks about you know to to say raka to someone is the most is the worst thing that you could do, and that that was a very contemptuous kinds of kind of thing. And understanding that contempt and anger are not the same thing. Right, right, right. No, no, yeah. no. That's I, I'm glad you're highlighting that because especially I think within 
um, evangelical circles or definitely within kind yep. of more of the Scandinavian Minnesota circles. The Protestant, you know, that, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, of thinking uh, anger, ang- there's something problematic about anger. And he's saying anger is not predictive at all nope. of a marriage that's that's going to um, dot flame out. And actually, it can be one of the healthiest things, what he finds within the marriage, because it gets, can get things out uh, in that. But it's that contempt piece that, and when you ever see people in those kinds of relationships. You can usually tell. Oh, yeah, you can tell. And it's uncomfortable to be around. Mm-hmm. But but again, you you can see that in friendships, too. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and when you start seeing that contemptuousness taking place, or when you start seeing that you know, the idea behind criticism is kind of, it's very personality based, you know, um, Ad you, ne- you never, you never do anything around the house. You're so lazy. You're so, you know, personality based, these all or nothing kinds of statements versus, um, the very specific, you know, he describes complaints are really healthy for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel frustrated when I come home and the dishes aren't done. It's an I statement. You stated how it is that you feel. It's very specific to that. Criticism or complaints are really healthy. Criticism's problematic. Criticism's what ends up sparking that that second one of defensiveness. People mm-hmm. don't own anything. They just immediately start start defending themselves. Yep. So that. criticism leads to defensiveness, which can lead to withdrawal as a symptom well, of the, that. Right, and then right. ultimately contempt yeah. is the well, con- right, right, right. And contempt actually usually ends up being third. It's that the, that interesting aspect of uh, uh, marriages or relationships in general usually mm-hmm. end in a whimper, as yeah. they describe. There, people are just have just checked out yep. of the of the relationship. I think I've described way back when I used to do a little bit of divorce mediation, and people think of that as really ye- you know people are yelling at each other and that kind of thing. Some of the most civil proceedings you'll ever see. People are done. You know, people are done within the marriage. Actually, if you see emotion, you think maybe the marriage could be saved. Yeah. You know, but but most of the time um, they're kind of kind of just checked out. And so so I think his research in that way, one, it's crazy applicable. Right. Yep. And it's not just applicable to marriage relationships. It's, it's also to, to friendships, uh, all, all sorts of, of relationships that we're in. And he describes as well. You know, so he even, you know, he's doing really it's super high level research that he's doing. You know, I, I think I've described to you before about how he's getting he's basically giving them a polygraph test mm-hmm. while they're in while while they discuss a conflict. You know, he's getting their galvanic skin response. He's getting their blood pressure, their heart rate and everything. He's seeing how they're responding um, physiologically, physiologically to, to one another, right? You know, cognition, you right? Know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's when he sees flooding taking place, mm-hmm. and interestingly, men are more likely to flood than women are on the emotion. We don't think of men in that way. Kind of men as being more emotional mm-hmm. in that way, and then and once the flooding takes place, frontal lobe shut down, can't can't think straight, flight, can't talk. Flight, you know, you know? It, right, right, and and so in in. In that way, that's where he sees a lot of the initial withdrawal is because the men are flooding, and so they they just withdraw instead. You know, they 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 can't handle the the emotion uh, that mm-hmm. ends up taking place from that. And all of those things are really important for us. That early on, you know, when I read that research, early on, I would I would say to my wife, I will I, I promise you, I will engage with this right now. My I'm I'm too wound up, and I can't. I can't have a productive conversation about it, but I, mm. I will get back and, and engage with this. And that, that's important, you know, to be able to kind of na- be able to name that, <laughs> right? And, and to, to engage and to be able to use that information to, uh, to help out, to help out the relationship. 
Yeah, and this is kind of going to bring it back to like God and how we think about our relationship mm-hmm. with God. How does understanding all these aspects of relationships humanly and mm-hmm. like psychologically, how does that influence the way we interact with God? Well, and it, it, it should in that uh, this idea of, of understanding, I, I can get this support from God as well, mm-hmm. that I can, uh, I, um, I, can, I can talk with God, I can share with God. I, I think oftentimes we kind of downplay that that prayer life type of thing and part of it is because we um we can be immature about it right yep. you know that we'll, you know we come with this list maybe of things that boy i'd really Dear like God, this change I have this problem i want this change <laughs> yeah. please make this cheeto turn into a vegetable as i eat it <laughs> yeah, yeah right right versus versus um just sitting and being with god mm-hmm. you know um and and understanding that god knows all these things already you know god cares um god's here for forgiveness god's here to give you that support that you need god understands that no you did make that mistake or or you did treat that person poorly um for you as an opportunity to acknowledge that to god um and and i actually um think it's not a bad thing i i don't want to say i think it's actually helpful to kind of um in prayer kind of kind of review your day type of thing with God. I think that's a that's a helpful thing. Yes, God already knows that, but it's helpful for you to kind of review the day. Yeah, this is what happened. Ooh, I maybe shouldn't have done that. You know, mm-hmm. those those kinds of things are really healthy for us. Yeah. Yes, right, right. It's, yeah. Right, right. It's really health, healthy for us. Um, and honestly, it would be healthy for any. If you didn't believe in God, it yeah. would still be a healthy thing yep. for you uh, to it could be healthy to end for up your doing earthly relationships right, as well. Right, like right. maybe you're thinking about your day and you're like, "Oh, nothing really went wrong," and then you're like, "Wait a minute, the way I responded in that situation," and then you remember their body language after the fact, maybe because mm-hmm. you were defensive or something. You're right. like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have mm-hmm. said something like that. Maybe I should go apologize." Yeah, you yeah. know that, and that can make the world of a difference yeah. in a relationship when you think about your impact on somebody else in that relationship and you're like wait a minute i need to do something about that because that's mm-hmm. not the way i want to be seen mm-hmm. by others and that's mm-hmm. not the way i want to mm-hmm. be you know and you made a that the, it was a little piece of where you're talking about there to where maybe it was after the fact you replayed in your yep. head that that nonverbal because that that's all that's the case for a lot of us that yep. we don't we don't pick up everything right away yeah. sometimes for me it'll even be a couple days later where i'll piece things together like oh you know, I mean, I didn't quite catch everything. I obviously I was catching certain things of what was being said, and maybe it was the intonation or other types of things, and uh, or body language that that kind of thing. But I'll, I'll have that to where it's a couple of days later. It's like, ooh, yeah, I you know, I I miss these kinds of things. And you're right, there there's something incredibly powerful about about apologies. Actually, that mm-hmm. was kind of an area of, of first research for me is, is looking at looking at apologies and, and the power of apologies. But you have to see it in yourself first, which I think is what makes it more powerful than yeah. just like when you were younger and you're like, I didn't see what was wrong in that, but I'm still going to apologize. Right, right. I think it's not as powerful. Right. Well, well right. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yes, most definitely. So like when you, let's say, uh, are arguing with someone and then all of a sudden it gets really heated and you say something in that body language or whatever, then maybe an hour after the fact and all the, you know, you know, rush of blood and the physiological mm-hmm. responses are kind of toned down. You're like, oh, I did not want to be that way. So mm-hmm. now you're going back to that person and apologizing, not just for them, because they could have not have cared. Right. You know? Yeah. But right. it's also for yourself because yeah. you're like, 
this is showing integrity mm-hmm. as a person mm-hmm. that I don't want to be seen this way or I don't want to do this certain thing. And or so I want to repair the relationship. Or, yeah, that you as know? well. You know, I, that's, that's, it's an interesting aspect of relationships, I think. I, I think of some of the relationships of people that I've been closest with. And um, I think some of the reasons that, I, that we're so close is because we've had those knockdown, drag out. Mm. arguments or mm-hmm. almost kind of borderline fights type of thing. And we repaired it. Yep. You know, that there, there's something I, 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 at least for me, I feel like there's something extra in those types of relationships, you know, where that repair can end up taking place. I think maybe it's a part of that vulnerability mm-hmm. as well that, en- that ends up occurring. Uh, there was at, at, at Bethel in our department, this neuroscientist, Adam Johnson, who passed away too mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, we, that was, that was our relationship. We, we had some knockdown drag outs, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he was a very, uh, very passionate individual. You know, I mean, one of the things I think that made him such a great neuroscientist was was that emotion, that passion um, that he had. And um, the, the both of us at different times, we had things to where, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really need to say that, or I didn't, you know, that that apology part, that repair part um, was important for us. Um, and also, I think it was uh, as well to be able to to sit, you say certain things, you, you know, it's maybe going to be okay as well that you can be vulnerable that you can test out different mm-hmm. ideas that maybe didn't didn't weren't right yeah you know but you can go back and 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 repair that and have conversations about that and i i th- and, and know that there's forgiveness there uh i think those those relationships well one they're gems you got to keep those in your life yeah, you got to you know and you got to cultivate those that, Make those that's a priority yeah that's one of the one of the um big things I think well for Bethel students where I've heard in the past to where when they when alumni come back um, you know maybe we have them talk in an intro to psych class or something else and one of the things that they that you a theme you kind of hear from students is I didn't realize how much work relationships would end up being mm. you know because when they're at Bethel everybody's you know every somebody's just down the hall or somebody's just you know yeah, we're always you're always together. together yeah versus oh I've got to be I you I, uh, I I got to be explicit about this, that I need to, I, I, we need to connect up or it can go for years uh, until we connect up again, you know, because we're not just down the hallway anymore. Mm-hmm. We might be in a different state or we might, you know, so um, of, of hearing, hearing alums talk about why, wow, you know, it actually is kind of work. You know, to 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 keep these far more work than it was in college um, to to keep these relationships going and the realization of it's really important for you to keep those relationships going. It's it's worth it for you. Um, It's important. Not that everything has to be utilitarian, um, Mm -hmm. but but it is beneficial to you in your life um, to keep these to keep these strong relationships um, going, to have this social support within your life, to have these people that you can be vulnerable with. Yeah. And I think it's very important for Christians to understand a lot of these aspects as well, because we are very relational well, we should be, mm-hmm. according to Scripture, I think, mm-hmm. a very relational people, whether it's with others who follow Christ or people who don't. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I started this podcast is to dive deeper into the ways, you know, we interact with each other, especially those of us who say we follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and having those fight sessions, you know, um, reminds me of the movie uh, Encanto. Have you seen it? I I haven't seen it. Okay, so I won't spoil too much, (laughs) but it's about a family. Um, 
and there's like the perfectionism type thing and so on and so forth and like there should be no fighting or whatever whatever and it kind of mm-hmm. made me think of the way Christians view families mm-hmm. they should be this perfect thing there's no fighting nothing whatever whatever a um, little bit of a spoiler of the movie is um, you know the climax mm-hmm. there's a big fight mm-hmm. you know and um, some something big happens and it kind of breaks that family in pieces a little bit but then they come back together. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the mm-hmm. story of like the hero's journey and so on and so forth. So I'm not spoiling too much. You mm-hmm. kind of could figure mm-hmm. this out. But the way they do it is very impactful. So mm-hmm. again, I request watching it. Um, but they come back together, and then there's this symbolism that they build back, you know, stronger. Mm. You know, they're stronger in their ways, and like that fight actually helped them release some of this tension, this anger, and this whatever. Mm-hmm. And it also shows the aspects of, like, if you're hiding these things and you're not saying them, you can blindside someone, mm-hmm. and then that becomes a fight. But that's yeah. also, like, big fights happen, and, mm-hmm. like, that can strengthen relationships. But I remember watching a YouTube video uh, by Cinema Therapy, their YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you would enjoy it if you mm-hmm. like movies. Uh, they look at movies and they look at how like certain aspects of psychology and therapy can play into movies. And I was watching one on Encanto and uh, they said this quote, which I really love. So Mirabelle is the main character and mm-hmm. the grandmother is like the antagonist, but she's not really the antagonist of the thing. It's like Mirabelle saw what her grandmother went through. It doesn't make her actions justifiable, but it does make them understandable and easier to forgive, mm-hmm. which is kind of bringing it back to this idea of, we understand the brain, we understand relationships, and we study them mm-hmm. as psychologists, especially social psychologists. That helps us maybe not justify the acts that we're doing, mm-hmm. like, you know, tearing someone down in criticism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it can make certain acts more forgivable in the sense. How do you think mm-hmm. about that? Oh, no, no. I think that is, you know, the, that, that classic of um, people have been hurt, hurt others mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, and of, and of, this realization, I think that I, I think that's powerful, right? Of of oh, I understand why it is that this person's doing this. You know, it, again, it doesn't justify them doing yep. that, um, but it but it helps to give you give you give a little more space for, for yeah 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 for the for the individual and space for apologies and forgiveness and and all of that as well that are that are so important for us so important for us in terms of our our relationships and our relationships with with other people and repairing those relationships and um you know i mean i grew up in a in a family you know kind of typically scandinavian and didn't really see fighting a lot Mm -hmm. that that type of thing um and Sometimes we, we, you know, that, that uh, danger within that is, you're right, things, things don't come out. Or there are these kinds of um, Resentment. th- resentments that are mm-hmm. under the surface that, that don't get expressed. Or when they get expressed, they get expressed a complete blow up mm-hmm. uh, is how it ends up being, uh, being expressed. And so how can we see this with our relationship with God? Too? Mm-hmm. You know, we sometimes I think as Christians, we think we have to be perfect, yeah. like this perfect family, yeah. you know, and so like we can't do certain things like blow up, you know, or mm-hmm. have these a- lamenting sessions or these anger sessions with God. Yeah. How do you think that influences the, the way we have a relationship with God? Right, right. And, and I think I think it's a fuller relationship with God when we can be angry, mm-hmm. you know, when we can express that anger. I can't, you know, maybe it's that. God, I can't understand how how you are letting this happen to where Russians are killing these civilians in mm. Ukraine. Mm-hmm. How how can you let that happen? You know, and, and part of that might not be very 
for, we we might not have a good understanding theologically yeah. as well about about different kinds of things. But that natural human reaction of you are all powerful and yet this is this is happening. You know, that's a I think that's a natural mm-hmm. reaction to be able to to express those things. I I think are really important. I, you know, I've talked before about. Um, when we your relationship with God, the fact that you know sometimes there'll be faculty members who will downplay chapel. You know, it's too too emotion driven in that. And mm-hmm. I always kind of you know bark back a little bit to say, so it's a relationship, isn't it? Yeah, emotions emotions exist. Part of it, part of yeah. relationships, and they should exist in our relationship with God and our relationship with Jesus. That's that's the point of it being a personal relationship. Is mm-hmm. that 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 emotion is there. So this ability, this willingness to be vulnerable, this willingness to take time out, this willing, this this understanding of God sees all. Why am I trying to be perfect here? I'm not mm-hmm. hiding. I can't hide anything from God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we try to do that by I'm just not going to talk with God. I'm just yeah. not going to you know because I you know, I'm embarrassed. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, um, there there's so much to talk about here when it comes to understanding the inner workings of the mind mm-hmm. and relationships as a social psychologist, because there's always something to study, always yeah. something new. Yeah. Um, but you brought up the fact of um, this emotion like thing, but we, I think there's an important aspect of like emotional intelligence. That's kind of downplayed, you know, sometimes in mm-hmm. certain communities and cultures where like having emotional intelligence is a great thing. Being able to name things, mm-hmm. you know, is great because sometimes putting names to things help you, express to other people right yeah no no i yes i i completely agree and having that's one of the first aspects of emotional intelligence right is this Mm self-awareness and having this awareness um of our emotions and and a lot of that you know lisa feldman barrett's work on this she's a neuroscientist at northeastern university is lights out it's just fantastic and and she talks about that of helping how to raise children who can be emotionally healthy mm-hmm. and it is off it's talking with them about their emotion learning helping them label um, their their emotions putting these you know cognitive hooks pro- providing those for them um, and in this understanding of no the their the emotions aren't wrong the emotions are what is being being felt at this, yeah, they're at this warnings. moment right yeah. right yeah yeah right exactly they're warnings of what could happen later mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. with anger Contempt yeah. can yeah. happen from mm-hmm. anger, but anger itself is not contempt. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to understand, especially because Jesus was angry. I yeah. mean, right. he was flipping tables and right. whipping whips exactly. in the <laughs> yep. in the right. uh, spaces there, but he wasn't contemptuous towards anyone. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like filled with hate towards anyone. He's just filled with anger at the actions that they were doing. At the injustice, at right? At the injustice, right. you're like, you can't be doing that here. Yeah. You know? So I think it's it's very important. And that and that is primarily. Anger is supposed to be a warning of about at least a perceived injustice. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, that's one of the danger. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the the danger is some people kind of see every can start to see everything as a as an injustice toward mm. towards them mm-hmm. um, uh, when it is that they have their anger issues and how is it that we deal with our anger and it does end up being important. You know, people who who constantly explode. Um, that's actually just it, it literally is not healthy for them. It, it, yeah. it actually it's 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 worse for your heart, actually, than smoking cigarettes. Is. Yeah. Um, you know, I so mean, this, this in kind general, of bring, yeah. and just, you know, this constant blowing up um, type of thing where people think venting venting in that way is healthy. 
to where, no, to acknowledge, I mean, it, it's a tricky kind of thing to acknowledge the anger and that kind of thing is, is, is healthy. Yeah. Um, to, to be angry at injustice, for me to be angry at the Russians right now and at Putin is legitimate. You know, the, of what's taking place is a horrible injustice that, that, that happens. Um, and anger can be helpful in that way to motivate us, yeah. you know, to to some type of action. But it to, has to, to be channeled place. through a useful source. Yes, yeah, right. You know, right. you know, I think about you know the catharsis theory. Mm-hmm. You know, you get built yeah. up and then yeah. you like release it. And it feels good, right? Um, but that theory is kind of disproven because mm-hmm. the more you build up, release, build up, release, build up, release, you're going to get into that habit, and it's actually yeah. not productive. Right. Whereas, like, um, let's say you pick up boxing or something some sport or something or you go sit in a room of quiet and like mm-hmm, meditate when mm-hmm, you're angry you know mm-hmm. like channeling it in a very productive way mm-hmm. like you know building up you know organizations to help uh, ukrainians and stuff like that is very much more effective and it's been studied to be more effective mm-hmm. like a boxer when they're angry mm-hmm. they actually have to go through the process okay now i have to get ready to go boxing and then you know channeling that in a very organized manner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh, we're getting close to the end of our time here. Um, I really enjoyed it. We could talk forever. Yeah. I'm probably going to have you back on if you agree to it. Um, <laughs> but there's one final question that I kind of want, kind of want to ask, um, which is what I ask usually at the end of every, every episode is if there's something you have learned from your life, from your discipline, from anything that you've lived through um, that can help us in relationships with one another and God. Mm-hmm. What is it, and how can we make it into a discipline of life? Hmm. You know, well, you know, some of this is what we talked about before. You know, yeah. I mean, one in terms of uh, with our relationship with God is to check ourselves to say, are we are we seeing God through what how God has expressed Himself in through the Bible, through the mm-hmm. Word, and other kinds of ways, or are we really seeing God as this manifestation really of our parents? You know? Yeah. Um, so, so that important aspect of seeing God as, as being described, New Testament God, you know, <laughs> um, uh, unconditional love, uh, you know, the 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 care um, for us, you know, that type of thing, caring caring about justice as well, you know, uh, a forgiving God, you know, that we're that we're seeing God in in that way, in a far more healthy way, rather than highly judgmental. Um, but seeing as, as God really wants what's best for us, mm-hmm. wants our best interests, and that God is someone that when we fall, we can even more so go to God. You know, that, that oftentimes that's when we made our biggest mistakes, we want to turn away from God, mm. and that that's not what God wants. You know, just like that's not what your it, it, you know, good parents, that isn't what they want. You know, they yeah. want you to come come to them. I think I think those are some of the most important things. And then I, I would say as well that aspect in terms of relationships, the power of apologies, the power. Of, and, and you see that actually you're describing that. I haven't even seen the movie Encanto, mm-hmm. but uh, so many movies, there's the apology scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it's so fundamental yeah. in movies, TV shows, every every place else. Actually, when I used to teach a course on conflict, um, that was what it was one of the assignments I would have students, you know, find the apology scene, you mm-hmm. know, and bring it forth and, and what worked, what didn't work about yeah. this apology, you know, and oftentimes in that apology scene, the initial apology isn't a very good apology. It wasn't really, it was an apology, non-apology. Right. And then, yeah. and then eventually the person Saw comes to this yeah. realization of, okay, no, that was just, 
yes, I am. I, I, I really am. I do understand what it is that I did, and I am sorry uh, for that. But the power of that for relationships is huge because there's, there's vulnerability in a good apology. Mm-hmm. And, and vulnerability, having that within relationships, bonds relationships all the more. And, and like we were talking about before towards the beginning, if we wrap it back to the beginning, that we are social animals. Our brains are social brains. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we need that. We need that social support. We need those kinds of relationships where we can be vulnerable. It's good for us. It's good for our brains. It's good for us physically. It's good for us emotionally. And it's good for us spiritually. Um, so I, 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 that, that to me, I, I've been kind of mm-hmm. pounding this to people <laughs> lately and I, I think maybe kind of pandemic related, yeah. you know, cause a yeah. lot of people, um, couldn't have those away. same kind yeah. of relationships in that. And, and, and to say, you know, there, um, this, this organization, this group out of Harvard making caring common, um, their project that they have in their most recent study, they found that, um, 36% of Americans suffer from serious loneliness that for mm. young adults, mm-hmm. I've heard 60, of 61% of young adults, um, I, we, we, we can't have this. No, it's good. You know, it's not good for people. It's not healthy for people. And it's not good for the overall society. As right, well. Exactly. You know, society right. will fall apart if the individuals of that society also right, fall apart. Right, right, right. So how can we take what we, what you just kind of summed up and turn it into a discipline? Can we like do like five things that we question ourselves about on a daily, or uh-huh. like what is something? Well, that we well I, I, but I, I think you know those kinds of things. Keep it simple. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, what what relationships do I need to take time out for today? Prioritize. You know, why yeah. why is it is it okay for me to um, leave work a little early and go out with these friends? Yeah. You know that no, I, you know I, you know I've come to my life of saying. No, though that's 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 good. That's healthy. I, I need to cultivate these. It, spending time cultivating relationships is good. I had somebody drop by my office um, the other day. I had a bunch of stuff I had to do. That person needed to talk. I'll put this work aside, even though it's kind of bugging me. Oh, I got to. I, I really want to get this done. I had this off, um, and I'm going to fully invest in this yeah. in this person in this conversation. It was totally worth it. Yeah. It's completely worth it. And I can get the work done. Shows that, or someone you know in that position shows that it great demonstration mm-hmm. for the ones under them mm-hmm. as well to do the same thing. Yeah. So, well, I would love to thank you for having me. Well, having me, <laughs> I would love to thank you for being on this episode. <laughs> um, it was. Great talk. I had a, I, yep, I had a lot of fun. It yeah. was, uh, it's easy to get in flow talking with you, Seth. So yeah, it's, well, it's I, good. I hope so. I try to <laughs> try to keep things on point, but also like I'm out there for the rabbit trails because sometimes those are the best content. Yeah, is. that's where the gems are. Yeah, uh, oftentimes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, uh, thank you again. Yeah, enjoyed it.